everybody. Welcome back to the Big Mark Podcast. It's me, your host, Big Mark. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Um, we're uh, we're always here to kind of serve our listeners. You know, we love you guys. We always want to hear from you. So if you want to reach out to the podcast, you know, reach us reach us at uh, either our Twitter or Instagram at the Big Mark Pod or at the Big Mark Podcast. You can DM us there. Um, yeah, just uh, like I said, whether it's an idea for a podcast or any comments, anything you ever want to say, we always want to hear it. Um, if you have a chance, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit the bell, subscribe to the channel, make sure you don't miss any videos that we drop. And then if you want to support the podcast, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash the big mark podcast. Um, or sorry, patreon.com slash the big mark pod. There's different levels there. You can choose, you know, any way you want to support the podcast. I love doing this for all you guys and. You know, every uh, every little bit of support helps. Thanks for everyone uh, that is uh, a Patreon member right now. And uh, yeah, man, it's hot as shit in my apartment uh, these days. It's crazy fucking global warming, I guess, folks. Eh? Speaking of global warming, takes us to our topic today. No, I'm just joking. Um, you know, with the weather changing and Christmas time, you know, yeah, uh, there's always kind of like fun movies and stuff that come up during the year and you know stuff that you kind of you you look forward to watching and things like that and um you know harry potter the harry potter series is is huge for me you know there's something about it in fact in my research I'll, i'll probably touch on it again but in my research i found probably the reason why but there was always something so christmassy about these movies and i've always loved them and it in no way, shape, or form are any of the movies Christmas-themed, but, you know, today's podcast, we're obviously talking about Harry Potter, everyone's heard of it, but if you haven't heard of it, I'm going to talk about it, I'm basically going to do this podcast for someone who's never even heard of Harry Potter, but anyway, um, if you've never seen the movies or read the books, uh, each book is kind of based on a whole school year, at least, relatively a whole school year, maybe give or take uh, the summer or whatever, um, uh, a whole school year at the wizard school that, that the main character goes to. So, um, obviously through a whole year of school, there's obviously going to be Christmas time, right? So, um, it's kind of one of those things where just, it's funny that one piece of the movie, um, it almost sticks with you completely. But anyway, like I said, there is, there is something, um, there is something inherently Christmassy about it, at least to me, and I love watching them around this time of year. Um, and, you know, and when I was thinking about doing today's podcast, obviously, great broad subject. I could go really hard into the books. I could go really hard into the movies, into the plot lines, all the characters, character development, what they're doing, what they're doing with each other. It'd probably be a, at least a podcast worth of information so when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do today I was kind of thinking okay there's a lot of cool information that's around it you know I have different feelings about it and and kind of different experiences as as I think many people my age do um you know Harry Potter the whole series was something that you know at least my my generation really in a sense grew up with and, you know, it's part of the zeitgeist, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, there's tons of 
um, references and pop culture. And, you know, again, it's uh, it's kind of a coming of age story at the end of the day. So the way it was released and all that stuff, you know, the realities of of the story and then also obviously the the magic of the novel and and the storyline themselves are both so interesting. So I'm going to kind of stray away a little bit from the storylines and the actual plot lines of the books. Try not to spoil anything again if no one's ever read the books or seen the movies. And if you have, hopefully this stuff is going to make sense to you. Um, um, and again, be, be interesting in the fact that there's obviously so many different aspects to what made this series potentially the great, at least one of the greatest, in fact, the greatest book uh, selling book series of all time and one of the greatest uh, movie series of all time. So anyway, let's dive right into it. So again, like I said, if you've never ever heard of Harry Potter or anything about it, um, it's a series of seven fantasy novels written by J.K. Rowling. Um, it chronicles the life of uh, a young wizard named Harry Potter and his friends Hermione Granger and uh, Ron Weasley. There's obviously many other characters. Again, I just don't feel like I'm going to be able to do justice to really go into all of them heavy, but those are kind of the three main characters. They're students at the at the Hogwarts School for Witchcraft and Wizardry. Um, interesting name, Hogwarts, you know. It's some, it kind of conjures up, you know, witchcraft in general. I mean, school is called fucking School of Witchcraft or Wizardry. But again, um, very interesting in the sense that um, just the name of the school just kind of like already starts to bring up certain ideas of things. Anyway, um... The main story concerns uh, Harry's struggle against Lord Voldemort, which is the uh, the main protagonist, um, or sorry, the main antagonist of the story. Uh, he is a dark wizard who intends to become immortal and overthrow the wizard wizard governing body, uh, aka the Ministry of Magic, so like the government, uh, and subjugate all Muggles, which are non-magic people. Again, that's a basic, very basic synopsis. Oh my God, there's fucking bloody seven books. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, <laughs> seven books. Um, so we could just go. We sh we could go to town, and um, you know the ser it's a series of many genres. There's all kinds different from, and it's not just fantasy. There's drama, like I mentioned, coming of age, mystery, thriller. It's the British school story, right? You know, the boarding school, you're away, the headmasters and the teachers and all those relationships. And, you know, I, it's just it's so much stuff that that so many people can can um, or at least many kids at the time felt and akin um, some some kinship to and just some re relatability in the sense where it's like I'm in school, too. And every year, well, almost every year for a while um a new book was coming out so you know as as harry was getting older we were getting older you know the first book came out in 97 so i was six um when the first book came out just turned six and um that he was 11 in the book so uh harry is obviously about five years older than me technically i guess in real life so you know following it was really cool 
Um, and then the, the movies came out a little bit later too, but what can you do? Um, JK Rowling was once asked what the main theme of the story is. And she, she says the main story, the main theme is death. And in the books, especially there's a lot of death that happens, major characters all the time, heavy, heavy, heavy duty stuff. Again, I don't want to spoil anything. I might as well say spoiler alert now. If there's anything I say from now on, don't hold me to it. Uh, other major themes are prejudice, corruption, madness. So obviously really heavier, heavy themes. And, you know, like many kids novels, if the novelist knows what the fuck is going on, he or she is obviously going to uh, kind of adjust the character. As the character ages, the, the stories tend to become more complex. Um, and um, and it allows you to, to kind of explore more of these deeper themes. So, you know, really interesting, you know, how, how deep it gets. And when, when the author believes that the theme is death, I mean, obviously you know, that's going to be worked in, worked in, and, and is it ever, is it ever, and for a lot of children, you know, living in the world that we live in, that, you know, most, most people, you know, that are, that are living in the first world, aren't necessarily experiencing a whole lot of death in their lives, you know, thanks to modern medicine and luck, you know, people aren't dying as much as they used to, and, you know, it, it is interesting that we do turn to fiction, we do turn to literature or movies or TV for these lessons sometimes. And, you know, <clears throat> they can be heavy duty for some people. And for someone who's never experienced any heavy death, reading these novels would be some of their biggest experiences with it. So it's something to be said about that and, you know, nothing to be sneezed at or diminished. And, you know, there's a saying, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So... It's tough to tough to compare issues and saying, you know, oh, you haven't experienced anything. You just read it in books and seen it in TVs and movies that it's still an experience and it's a vicarious experience. And it's something that human beings have dealt with throughout history is is that experience experience through others. And um, whether that's in real life or in in uh, our imagination the you know real life effect is still there if you base your your life character off a fictional off a fictional person um and that person is wholly good and has no real character major character flaws you're probably going to turn out all right so what's where's the harm i mean obviously you don't want to be influenced by by a bad character but again you know not everyone um, you know, Gord Downey said, I was raised on TV. You know, there's some people that were um, so heavily influenced by media and television that it, it did change who they are. And, you know, that it, it could be for the good. Again, there are so many, there are so many strong literary characters that, you know, if you do choose the right ones, who's to say it's better than any real life role models? Oh, well. I think that's like fucking Matilda. <laughs> the plot, I just explained the plot of Matilda. Anyway, um, so the first novel, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, was released on June 26, 1997. The second one, um, and I don't even know if I'm even going to talk much about the plot. I mean, as much as I remember. Nah, I'm not even going to go into it. See, this is what I mean. I, I can't because it's just going to take up forever and be weird. Anyway. 
2697, Chamber of Secrets came out in 98, Prisoner of As- Azkaban in 99, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire in 2000, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix in 2003. So there was a bit of a three-year gap there. People must have been fucking pining. Uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince came out in 05, so another two years later. And then the Deathly Hallows came out in in, uh, in 07. As of February 18, uh, 2018, uh, the Harry Potter series has sold over 500 million copies. So it is officially the best-selling book series in history. Um... The last four books uh, were released, uh, set set the record for the fastest selling books. Deathly Hallows sold ten about 10 million copies in the first 24 hours. And I remember that coming out. Um, now, I will admit at this point, I was not the biggest. I, I just didn't read the books. I, I'll just say this. Um, I actually fucking loved Philosopher's Stone. I thought it was really good. I think I was actually about 11 years old when I first read Philosopher's Stone, and that's how old Harry Potter is. Um, so it had been out for a couple of years. Um, my stepmom, Andrea, might have actually given given it to me. Um, but uh, anyway, I remember reading it, and I was so super into it. It wasn't a really big, thick novel. You know, it was, it was written to probably kids about my age. Um... Just, I loved the story. I loved the subject matter. I thought it was well-written. I was never, re- like, you know, I guess like any kid, like, interested, I guess, in some fantasy per se. But I don't know. At that point, it's hard for me to say what I was actually into um, um, at that point. I know I was reading things a lot, whatever it might be. And fucking, whether it was Captain Underpants or some shit. I was reading a lot because I was playing basketball at the time. So I was on the road um going to tournaments all the time um and i don't know which which one i read first but i was also getting into a series of of unfortunate events by lemony snickets which i'll probably do another podcast episode because i fuck i love that series but i I, at the around the same time i was getting into both of these series so i loved philosopher's stone i thought it was great i couldn't wait for the next one i when it was kind of one of those uh if anyone's ever seen parks and rec uh, there's a, 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 a there's an episode where um, one of the characters introduces Tom, another character on the show. If you've never seen the show, uh, introduces Tom to the Twilight series, and he reads the first book like in a night and loves it, and comes back, and the guy's like, "Guess what? There's another one." And Tom's like, "Holy shit! There's another one!" And then the guy's like, "Yeah, there's like three or four other ones or whatever the shit." And Tom just flips out, and I feel like that's how I was when I realized that there were other Harry Potters. So I was super stoked about it. I get the second one, um, Chamber of Secrets, because at this point, so at this point, it's probably like, I guess, 2002-ish. So Secrets was out, Azkaban was out, Goblet of Fire was out, and I think that they were they ha- were just about to release Order of the Phoenix. And... Um, uh, so I was super stoked and I started reading Chamber Secrets. And again, without revealing any plot details, the first few ch- few chapters or the first few pages even was just like, it seemed different to me than the last, than, than Philosopher's Stone. I, I don't know if my expectations were too high or, or what, but I just couldn't, I just could not dig on the Chamber Secrets. It just wasn't my bag. 
uh, it was silly. Maybe there's some anthropomorphizing, which I didn't really dig on at the time. And again, I was starting to read this this Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events, which was like almost hyper real, extremely morose, like very mundane in a sense, but very different style. Uh, not not so fantasy, more of a surrealist type fantasy. But um, and I just was like, fuck, I couldn't read it. I couldn't finish it. I think I read like two chapters. And don't get me wrong, I've had that I've had that happen in the past with books, and and I've given them a, a, a other opportunities, but I never ever cracked a Harry Potter book again. I don't know. I just loved I, again. I loved the series, and I got into it. And by the time I was done that, I was on to other things, and I was older, and I was definitely not interested in Harry Potter at that point, other than the movies. And I fucking love the movies. Um. But um. Yeah, so again, I am can't really comment on the books too much. I know that they're fantastic. I know that they're absolutely amazing. I know a bunch of my friends are into it. My best friend, when we were growing up, he, he read them all and loved them. Um, I remember when Deathly Hallows was coming out and people were fucking lining up at chapters. Shout out chapters, showing my age there. Um, to, to, to read this book and get this book. Um, shout out Neen Pizza. She's all down on the Harry Potter action. Shout out Sophie Biznari. She was down big time on the Harry Potter and it was so cool. And I got, and I was able to speak to these people who were into the books because of the movies. Thank God for the movies. But again, I just, it, it, it must've been just the timing of it, but I just couldn't read. And some of my friends say that Chamber of Secrets is one of the best ones. So maybe someday I'll get back into it. Who knows? Maybe if I kid someday, I'll read it to them or something. Makes sense, but anyway, love the movies. Love the movies. And again, you know, um, it's interesting when you do end up turning a a movie, or sorry, turning a book into a movie. It's very interesting when you when you end up turning a book into a movie because there are so many ways it can go. It's obviously a book exists in your mind. The words on the page are merely cues for your own imagination. And the author is kind of speaking through you and, and painting this, this picture in your mind. It's an ongoing thing. It, you know, you can create landscapes in your head. You can, you obviously, when they, when the, when the author describes characters, even though it's the same description for every person reading it, that person in their head is going to be so much different from person to person, uh, and which makes casting so much, so hard, so much harder for for movies because again, you have to cast all these different people based on not only your interpretation, but you're going to have to satisfy all these people. It's a very similar to you know uh, uh, superhero movies in that sense because comics in fact you know the the character's drawn out not only is not only is a character description there but there's a drawing that you actually know what the character looks like so no matter who they cast unless they look exactly like the comic representation is going to look totally completely different but literary characters are the same thing so and and many of these characters are beloved um the first harry potter movie came out in 2001 the philosopher's stone and that, so that obviously at that point, three, four of the books were out um, already when the first book came out. So 
you know, people had already known about about the characters. They had already, you know, pictured what they look like in their heads. In fact, because it's a kid's kid's story, you know, Harry Potter had been drawn. There's little illustrations of all of them. They did a really good job casting all, all the characters, to be truthfully honest. They did a good job. But again, you know, it's and it's it's that classic case where people go, oh, it's not as good as the books. It's not as good as the books, you know. Well, no shit, it's not going to be as good as books. No matter number one, you only have like an hour and a half, two hours these days, pushing three hours. But you only have a certain amount of time to put these put these movies into into action. So you can't. A lot of the sense, like look at fucking Lord of the Rings. They had to do three movies over three books. In fact, they probably could have done like six movies. They didn't even know when they first started, um, like when they first started filming that, if they were going to do a bunch of movies. Anyway, not to go down Lord of the Rings path, but again, you have to omit certain things as a screen, as the screenplay writer, the screenwriter, you have to be like, this has to fit. This has to be logical and economical and actually work on film. Pros, obviously the fact that you're actually going to see this stuff in real life is super cool. Um, as much as our imagination is beautiful, there is something so cool about actually seeing this stuff on on film. Um, so again, it's a weird paradox, you know. It's 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 a dangerous road, you know, trying to do this. Um, you know, even even novels like The Great Gatsby, you know, very visual novel, so it kind of works in the in in real life. But again, you know, the art form of of a novel, it when unless you're like Michael Crichton or something, when you're writing a novel, you're not usually, or Dan Brown or somebody, you're not usually thinking when you're writing this novel that this is going to be a movie. You know, you're thinking, how can I use the art form of what is literature and the, the written word? How can I use that to its fullest and paint the picture uh, in people's minds through through literature? So a lot of times that can be lost um, in film adaptations, um, what's a good example? What, what would be a good example of that? I don't know. Even just to say the Great Gatsby again, you know, there's certain things just the way words are put together, and it's not necessarily just dialogue. It's also descriptions, which definitely gets lost lost in in films, especially if there's no narrator. Um, but again, most in, in a lot of books, the descriptions of the settings and all that stuff are, are so beautiful. But uh, anyway, it'll be the never ending battle between books and movies and, and film adaptations and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to go too far into this one, but there's there are there are movies out there that do do the books justice. Don't get me wrong. There are there are lots of there. Actually, in fact, Lemony Snicket movie, the movie with Jim Carrey in it does a really interesting job. It actually puts three of the books together in one movie, but it does a very interesting job at that interpretation and the acting is great and and, and what have you. So that's kind of how I feel about movies and, and, and books. But again, Harry Potter, the subject matter, it's directed at kids. It just screams that it has to be made into, uh, made into a movie. So J.K. Rowling actually sold the rights to the first four books at once in 1998 so she it was only a couple years in I guess knowing I guess Warner Brothers bought bought the rights from her I think in 97 98 yeah so she had only I think this was just after she had released Chamber of Secrets 
and probably had written Prisoner and, and Goblet, but ha- hadn't released them yet. Um, so she sold the rights for the movies uh, for $1.9 million for those first four movies. Um, first f- or The stories of the first four books. Her biggest thing was she demanded all the cast be British um, or French, Eastern European, based on the characters in the books. Um, you know, that was her thing. I guess just because that's how the characters were written in the book. Uh, obviously, Daniel Radcliffe is Harry Potter. Emma Watson is Hermione Granger. Uh, and uh, uh, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley. Again, obviously, many, many other characters. Uh, you know, I don't even want to... It I mean, zero disrespect to any of the characters. I just mentioned those three earlier. So I mentioned the, the real people who, uh, who played them. Anyway... Um, Christopher Columbus or Chris Columbus, uh, was chosen to direct the first two movies. Now, if anyone recognizes that name, Chris Columbus, he's not the, he's not the dude who sailed the ocean blue. He's the director of adventures and babysitting, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, stepmom, tremendous movie, Bicentennial Man. I don't know if you ever saw that one with Robin Williams. Again, another, another joint, Mrs. Doubtfire and that really good one. Uh, he actually directed Home Alone. I think that's where that feeling of Christmas comes in, um, where, you know, obviously Home Alone, quintessential Christmas movie, the music, he, uh, he worked with John Williams uh, to do the soundtrack of Home Alone, and John Williams did the soundtrack uh, of Harry Potter as well, absolute beast of a composer. And again, I think that there's something about his style. He just knows how to just capture that feeling of Christmas. So maybe that's part of it childhood whatever whatever again he's just a really good really good director interesting choice i mean there was many other directors uh, up for grabs i heard steven spielberg terry gilliam which would have been a really interesting interpretation i'm sure um and then actually chris columbus went on to direct rent the movie version of rent too so um super interesting guy it's always funny you know i mentioned this actually with joey diaz it's funny when there's certain people that you know, you look at their body of work and you go, holy shit, look at all these, look at all these movies this guy's directed. He's, he's essentially directed some of the, my favorite stories, uh, of all time in my, in my life. So Chris Columbus, good for you, brother. You got a, you got a special place, uh, in, in all of our hearts. So, um, they've released the Philosopher's Stone in 2001. So that was after... Um, after the fourth book was released, after the Goblet of Fire was released, the next year they came out with Philosopher's Stone. So 2001. So I was like 10-ish. Um, I don't know the exact date. Unfortunately, I think it was in June-ish. But, um, so I was like 10 when that came out. Uh, really interesting. Went to see it in theaters. Super fun. Uh, the Chamber of Secrets came out in 2002. Prisoner in 2004. Goblet of Fire in 2005. Order of the Phoenix in 07. So they're basically on like a two to three year pattern. The Half-Blood Prince came out in 2009. And then the last two movies, The Deathly Hallows, because these books were fat by the end of it. Like these books got thick as fuck. Uh, they split The Deathly Hallows into two parts. Uh, you know, I guess someone, some people might think that that's a bit of a fucking cash grab. But I'm telling you, these books were thick. I never read them, obviously, but I saw them. Uh... Um, without inflation, uh, the Harry Potter series is the third highest grossing film series, uh, 
of all time, $7.7 billion. Uh, they're uh, right behind Star Wars, which is in second, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is in first. So, holy fuck, that's some, uh, those are some heavy hitters up there, no doubt. Um, after they did these movies, they also did the Fantastic Beasts, like, prequel series. Um, now, I kind of have some mixed feelings about prequels. I mean, we all know how Star Wars went. Uh, you talk about cash grabs. I mean, you know. If we didn't learn anything from Star Wars, what we should have learned is that people, yes, the question is there. People do want to know the history of some of some characters that they see in movies, whether they be good or bad. Yeah, people do want to know the history of these characters more so than the history that is is told in the the actual story. But I think personally that sometimes that mystery needs to maintain, be maintained and needs to stay a mystery. Some of my favorite movies uh, ever directed are by the Coen brothers. And I think was something that makes their movies magical is that you kind of come into a snapshot in someone's life. You know little to nothing about their history and who they are as a person. What you learn is what you see in front of you in the first few movie minutes of the movie. Or in fact, what you learn in the whole hour and a half, two hours, and then it's over. You might be thinking, I wonder where that person came from. I wonder what their life was like in fucking Vietnam or something. Or whatever they mentioned in a casual throwaway line. Um, but that's what makes that shit special. And, you know, you look at Star Wars, you look at fucking Darth Vader, one of the most evil, terrifying, uh, you know, evil incarnate, you know, terrible, terrible person, <laughs> terrible character, uh, just... Um, the archetype of evil. Um, you create these movies where now he's a little child. And obviously you're going to have empathy for him. And yeah, by the end of the, of the prequel series, he's evil and he is Darth Vader. But there's something that diminishes that evil when you when you see that slow build up to what he, what he eventually becomes. So that being said, you know, I think... It maintains an illusion, so to speak, pun intended, we're talking about magic, but it maintains that illusion that as the reader, as the consumer, as the watcher, you can have this mem this idea of something or like you can let your own imagination go, oh, I wonder what this person was doing before. And sometimes those questions just need to remain questions and, and they don't necessarily need to be answered. But I think at the end of the day... Um, you know these these movie executives and 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 movie companies just want to make more movies and don't get me wrong some prequels are very interesting some prequels can can be interesting um i wish i could think of a really good example but i can't i mean i guess uh depends on how you look at it um the the alien prequel uh what the shit was it called uh, there's probably someone screaming at me right now anyway um, oh, it was just on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, there was the Alien prequel where it kind of showed where, where like the movie Alien by James Cameron, where those like crazy xenomorphs came from and that whole thing. Um, and, uh, that, that whole, th that 
I'm just going to look it up. That that kind of movie was a little bit more, I don't know if it was just just more well thought out, um, but uh, it was kind of one of those, um, one of those movies where it stood on its own and by the end of it, it kind of like said, oh yeah, and this launched this whole idea of the of the aliens. It's called Prometheus, by the way, everybody. Sorry about that. I had it on the tip of my tongue, but I lost it. Um, so again, you know, there are some prequels out there that I think are probably worthy. But again, you know, Many Saints of Newark, I guess you could say, was a worthy prequel. Really, really well done movie. But um, again, you know, there, these are the things that... I think these big movie executives and these big uh, studios kind of get get away with and they get a little bit carried away with, so to speak, are these prequels. So let's come back to it. The Fantastic Beasts prequel series. So um, essentially, without going too far into this plot series, this is kind of like a, a, a prequel, uh, like, you know, 10 or 15 years or so or 20 years or something like that before the, the uh, events of the Harry Potter movies. Which, shit, I should have looked up, but I, I didn't want to mention the plot. They came out in 97, but I think they were actually like more early 90, like actually being um, set in, in even earlier 90s. So regardless, most of this Fantastic Beast stuff is like kind of set in like the 60s or 70s. And um, it like looks at Dumbledore when he's young and all these different characters that are part of the, the Harry Potter world um, as young characters and just kind of, you know, the start of the Ministry of Magic and all that kind of shit. So Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them came out in 2016. So a few years after the, uh, after the last Harry Potter came out. Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald came out in eight, 2018. Uh, uh, Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore is going to come out in 2022 and there's going to be a fourth and fifth movie about all these Fantastic Beasts. It's interesting. Again, it talks a lot about like the 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 flora and fauna of the of the of the wizarding world, um, which is super interesting. Again, you know, the world of Harry Potter is very in depth. There's a lot of ins and outs. And there's a lot of cool stuff. And because it's a kind of an interesting blend between real world or like muggle world as they would call it and magic um there's a lot of kind of avenues to explore and and how that actually works and you know some character hermione granger <clears throat> hermione granger's parents are actually both muggles <clears throat> so there's always this interesting kind of crossover into like our world which i think just gives it a little bit more of that interesting nature where you do feel a little bit more intrigued and there is that suspension of disbelief of, oh, maybe this does exist because it, it, it exists kind of like right under our nose. Um, all the movies to date have actually been directed by David Yates. And he he was the director of the last four Harry Potter films, too. So it does have a bit of a continuation feel. Uh, feel. It's very similar in tone and uh, direction and all that stuff. And J.K. Rowling wrote the screenplay. Obviously, these aren't based off books. But it's just kind of a continuation. Talk about a continuation and cash grab brings us to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is founded. Uh, the first one, anyway, was founded uh, first opened in June June 2010 at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Um, 
It recreates many different places from the movies. It's Universal Studios, so obviously it's a theme park. Uh, there's lots of um, sets that they brought of Hogsmeade, which is a, a kind of like a local pub. Diagonally, which is uh, Diagonally, which is part of uh, which is part of the Wizarding World. Hogwarts, obviously the school. One of the rides is called Escape from Gringotts, which involves I'm I'm assuming. Um, this this ride which is part of the books where that you have basically this like uh like you know like in old movies where you're like in a mine like in indiana jones or something and you're in that little cart and it's on the rails rail cart i guess we fucking call it anyway i'm sure you're ripping those there's a fully functioning replica of the of the hogwarts express so again you're just going there and you're gonna basically my sister went there shout out monica she went out to uh to there and experienced this whole thing you know it's kind of one of those things where Orlando Studios seems a little bit more intriguing as an adult to go to than Disney. I'm sure Disney's just just as uh, very similar in the sense that there's still something fun there that you could probably figure out. But Orlando Studios or Universal Studios just seems to have a little bit more of kind of an adult edge to it. Obviously, Harry Potter isn't necessarily adult, but there's just something about going and wants want makes me want to go to these this theme park and just check this shit out because apparently it's extremely immersive it's just like being there in real life like the set like they built a set there basically um honestly for any anything like that it it would be really interesting you know as much as i love tvs and movies it would tvs as much as i love tv and movies it would be so interesting to you know feel like you're on set kind of thing and um you know Fuck, man. I don't know. I've been thinking a little bit more about it lately. Honestly, I feel like I just want to, like, go and check out one of these film places and just be like, hey, I'll be an extra. I'll sit in the back. I'll be a fucking dumb goon. I'll be a Russian goon. I'll be an Italian guy. I just want to see what it's like to kind of, like, you know, be on, be in one of these things that I love so much in the, in the art form I do love. So, you know, really interesting, really interesting idea having these extremely immersive. I think... Uh, Disney did something with Star Wars like this, so very cool, very cool, you know, maybe very nerdy, but very cool. Uh, There's other Wizarding Worlds, too. Uh, There's one in Osaka and one in Hollywood. Um, So, like I said, I didn't want to go too much into the actual meat and bits of the story. Um, There is some some controversy that has surrounded J.K. JK Rowling. Actually, very, very recently as well, she's made some comments, uh, you know, potentially anti-trans comments, which is no good. Um, And in fact, there's a little bit of a history there, too. Um, There was some criticism of the inclusiveness of Rowling's characters, if I can if I can say it like that. Um, Many were many were racially ambiguous, but I think that the. You know, a lot of the relationships and, and, and shit like that on the on the show or sorry, on in the movies and in books was under fire. Let's just put it that way. I don't really understand all the nuances of this and all the research I did. I couldn't really gather the perfect picture of what actually happened here. Um, but in 2007, Rowling revealed that Albus Dumbledore was gay. This only happened after... Um, um, after she only mentioned this fact after 
the final book was published. It's not really explicitly uh, um, explained in the novels. Again, I never really read them. It's definitely not explained in the movies. But again, it's it's kind of one of those things where I feel like this is the way I've heard it and the way other people have kind of interpreted it is that she was accused of either being homophobic or not having any any gay characters in the novel and she just said yeah Dumbledore is gay like you know it, it was kind of a thing this whole time and you know people were I guess you can't really call her out she's the author so she can fucking say whatever she wants but there's just you know it's like there's a concept called Chekhov's gun in uh, I guess it's more in plays and, and visual art like plays and movies but I think it exists as a concept in, in, in literature as well and the concept is if you're going to introduce a device to a story you have to make sure it comes up again like you can't just like bring up an idea for no reason that's not going to have any um, any final conclusion or you can't just bring up some final conclusion that never was ever mentioned earlier in the story so it's it's a question who knows um in fact i i kind of look at the fantastic beast series almost as a it was almost as it was created to retrofit it was almost created to retrofit the story into the into the harry potter universe and because it, it in the fantastic beast it really goes into a little bit more of that relationship between grindelwald and dumbledore so say what you will about that but that's you know some controversy there and the more recent controversy like i mentioned about those anti-trans tweets and comments um she was uh criticized about a, a tweet referring to people uh people who menstruate aka women obviously but the way she she wrote it was kind of mocking and then she went on to kind of describe the fact that taking away gender from people is only alienating other people who have fought for their place and stuff. So anyway, she was essentially labeled as a trans exclusion, a turf, a trans exclusionary, a radical feminist. So basically, that just means you're a feminist that does not would not include trans women as women. Um, again, obviously, a very controversial topic that brought up a lot of con a, a lot of. Um, controversy it brought up a lot of it created a lot of turmoil in the harry potter fandom um obviously with a lot uh, you know a lot of millennials and gen z people that that have read harry potter our generations are much more open to the to the ideas of sexuality and what they mean or at least what we what we interpreted interpret them as and i think um uh Obviously, you know, J.K. Rowling was labeled a turf, and she was seen as homophobic and, and anti-trans. So that's not good. Not good. Any time to be to be involved with this. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint, um, both spoke out about it. Um, not you know, not um, supporting her claims, and some other actors stood up for her. So again, you know, it's really it's really tough when, you know, someone who's created such an amazing work of art, their real life or their life in reality, their actions start to come under under question. 
And, you know, I kind of talk about it a little bit in the Bill Hicks, um, the Bill Hicks podcast too, but there's something about separating the art from the artist that I think we need to practice a little bit more in our society. I think, you know, if you want to talk about cancel culture or, you know, looking back on certain people's uh, life uh, stories and and kind of questioning their motives or uh, persecuting them or prosecuting them or even, you know, um, altering people's kind of view. Um... I think I think that that whole thing is really interesting in the fact that you know when there's people starting to we're starting to go deeper and deeper into history here Gandalf is getting or Gandalf oh my god amazing um you know characters whether it's literary characters or whether they're characters in real life you know cartoon characters you know, all types of different, uh, Pepe Le Pew, you know, just going back to things, Gandhi, you know, um, just again, Martin Luther King, a lot of figures in life that are, are seem to, to be heroes have, are being cut down for some of the things that they've done in life. And in no way, shape or form am I saying that we need to ignore, these kind of more rough aspects of some of our heroes. But the fact is that these characters or these people in real life did do big things and they did create amazing works of art and best-selling book series and this and that. And it's really tough to look at them and say their art is less than because of what they are as a person. In no way, shape, or form am I ever going to deny the fact that there are horrible people out there and there are people that do fucking abhorrent shit abhorrent shit and being anti-trans or being transphobic or or homophobic is is abhorrent and should not be celebrated and should should be spoke out against and should be should be talked about but in no way should that affect the artist's art and their ability to make a living off that art because yeah, sometimes art has to be controversial and sometimes things that we create have to be controversial and sometimes we have to be controversial people to do things. Um, so again, separate the art from the artist. Separate the athlete from the, the sport. Um, you know, yes, there are abhorrent things that go down. Yes, people should be handed consequences for wrongdoings but we can't go back and erase what they've done from history and their and and the and the magic so to speak that they've brought to this world. In in fact, obviously, yeah, a lot of a lot of controversy surrounding JK Rowling, but in no way shape or form is Harry Potter going down. Um again, the further you go back in history, the dirtier it gets, the deeper you dig, the dirtier it gets. Um certain aspects of life brought to today's light will always kind of look a little bit dingy hindsight's 2020 all that good shit but remember a lot of the stuff that we believe in you know bill hicks said it too you know if you're against drugs and alcohol 
go home and all those records you love, throw them out because all those people who wrote those albums were real high on drugs. So it's just kind of an idea where you can't bring your personal politics into art. You know, there has to be that separation. There has to be a way that you can appreciate it with your heart and not necessarily your mind. So that's where I'll leave it. Harry Potter, amazing series, amazing movies. Go watch them this holiday season. See what Chris Chris Columbus is all about. Um, again, amazing. Um, seems to be more stuff coming out with these Fantastic Beast movies. Really interesting story. Maybe someday I'll do a, a podcast about the actual stories of Harry Potter. But uh, I had a lot of fun doing today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, if you did, please go tell a friend. We always say if you tell one friend, we'll double the podcast uh, audience overnight. If you want to support the podcast, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash thebigmarkpod. Reach out to us. Talk to us on Twitter um, at, uh, at thebigmarkpod or on Instagram at thebigmarkpodcast. Again, we'd love to hear from you. Please rate the podcast. Subscribe. Hit the bell on YouTube. We love you. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to hear you. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to be with you. Remember, Wingardium Leviosa and all that goodness. <laughs> all that goodness. We love you always and always and always. Peace. Peace.